Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with communications and public affairs consultant Stuart Thompson. He is continually helping clients navigate politics, government, the media, and Brexit. He advises clients on all elements of their public affairs strategies, including corporate communications and reputation management issues. His work has included legislative lobbying, profile raising, planning communications, and he has also worked on a number of high-profile media relations and crisis communications programs for clients across a range of sectors. He also has dealt with the health and safety incidents, high-profile corporate announcements, government reports, and consumer TV investigations. He won Online Influencer of the Year in 2020 in the current affairs category. We get into all of this and so much more. Enjoy. Hey, Stuart. Go. how are you? What is going on? Well, dark here. Yeah? And beginning, beginning at the end, of the, the end of the day, beginning of the week, though. So, uh, yeah, and it's not... It's cold, but it's not snowing and it's not been as bad as it has been. So that's that's a good start to the week, I think. Okay. All right. Well, let's lighten everything up around here. It's great to meet you. <laughs> How are you? I'm excellent. Where are you coming out of? Uh, North London. North London. Yeah. I just, you know, I can't ever shake the fact. There's so many things that I like about the whole Brit culture, but the rock and the, and, and the music that comes from you guys is always epic. Well, thank you. I wish I had some small part to play in that. Well, unfortunately, I have no. <laughs> well, you're you, a big music fan, but that's it. So, well, uh, I mean, you're a part of the culture. So, I mean, it, it's a collective. <laughs> my brother, my brother does play bass actually in a band that okay. plays sort of uh, covers and, um, you know, jam, uh, scar stuff, madness, that sort of era of um you know late 70s early 80s a little bit later uh music and they play down in the, the the south coast of england quite a lot so that's that's the closest association okay. i have it's through him that's okay that's okay there's nothing wrong with that well let's dig into your life and i want to begin by asking you how did you survive the last three and a half years of this global pandemic how did you get through it and how did it change you i think there's a a few ways really i mean you know the obvious one is the one that everybody had to cope with which is just not seeing other people you know just sitting in my loft here which i am you know today um you know contemplating how you can continue to work now some of the work that i do is around sort of you know media engagement and reputation management so that's fairly remote you can do that from most places other part is much more about sort of engagement with political audiences and that you know to start with nobody had a clue what to do because actually politicians most of the time like to that face-to-face engagement with people so um obviously zoom teams etc etc you know helped in that sort of you know work setting and it, it meant that you know that that could continue once everybody sort of got around it understood how it worked uh you know etc so i suppose that you know there's that very obvious bit and then there's the the personal part which i think is you know maybe people tend to struggle with maybe a little bit more we're all focused on sort of work so much and whether we could work or couldn't work and i know obviously lots of people couldn't because you know you know i'm i'm you know you know i'm in a service industry so it's relatively straightforward for me but guys you know you know driving trucks or or uh you know doctors and nurses and all that sort of stuff that's it's obviously a little bit different you know they have to go in to, to do to do their work but it did mean that you know we had the family around a lot more and actually that i think for me was was the savior was actually um you know being able to see the family 
um, having some time where you weren't sort of struggling, sitting in the loft trying to work out how to do your work, but engaging with them, spending time with them. So that's that's for me. And then and then you know, evening meals together in a way that you know we didn't particularly beforehand because both my wife and I would work longer hours. So you know we pop in at some point. The kids would have gone to bed. We may or may not have seen them at various points. You know, so you, you lose all of that. So so that for me was was how I got through it. And then, you know, afterwards, I think people now are getting to a stage where they are just only too happy to meet up for coffee and chat and, and see people again, really. And I think, you know, I know it's not, you know, it's over on one level, but it's not over on another. But actually, you know, that return to some level of pre-pandemic engagement i think is uh, is really important it's only very important for what i do anyway so as a communications and public affairs consultant you know you're obviously coordinating and you're kind of on the inside in a different way you know in america there was a lot of confusing signals there was one side politically that said no masks no vaccinations go for it it's just the flu then you had the other sides that took science seriously were you getting these conflicting reports through Boris and through your political machine? How did things transpire where you were at? Yes, we did. I mean, we look, we had we had the same sort of general level of confusion about the whole thing, I think, as you know, many other places did. I don't think we had quite the extremes that maybe some, you know, uh, you know, countries had. Um, but equally, you know, we'd look at America on one hand and see, you know, yeah, it's all sorry that's gonna say massive generalization but you're right some you know groups saying you know mass hoax blah 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 equally you know we could look across to europe and see the damage that was done to the likes of italy where it came in sort of first yeah. equally we to the scandinavian countries sweden in particular where they sort of their approach was um you know no masks and, and continue and and I think we sort of went somewhere in the middle, really, yeah. if I'm brutally honest. We sort of, you know, we did do the lockdowns and we did have masks, but we tried to come out a bit quicker. Maybe that's why we had to go into another lockdown sooner than other countries. So, I mean, and we are going through a, uh, a public inquiry, you know, at the moment. So there is a process going past, uh, led by a, a judge, a former judge, um, where, you know, she's hearing evidence from a range of different audiences, medical professionals, you know, those that were giving the advice across government and politicians as well. So Matt Hancock, who was health secretary, you know, last week, some of the advisors the week before Boris is giving evidence, uh, you know, as we, you know, chat today, uh, Joe, um, you know, on, on, you know, what he thought when he was prime minister and, and the role that, you know, he took. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get through some of these things so we can be a bit pre better prepared should those scenarios uh, ever happen again. But, but frankly, you know, our big breakdown in trust in government, and I think it's something that we are still continuing to see now. And and you know, there's a general wariness of politicians across the world. I mean, this is and this isn't new by any stretch. But sure. you know, the parties that were had in you know Number Ten Downing Street under Boris, whether he knew about them or didn't, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which effectively led to his downfall as Prime Minister. I think you know, as well as the. You know the medical and the health side we've got this long tail of, of some political uh issues and mistrust as well which um you know everybody government and opposition parties are, are still trying to overcome yeah it's i think it sounds about the same as what's going on here but it just seems like america is always that one that when a fire rages 
the rest of the world scrambles to find water, but we try to find the biggest tank of gasoline because we had the George Floyd incident. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's always got to be some level of magnanimousness that goes into what we do. We can't just be okay. We always have to push and push and find a way to like just make it more intense. You know, that that was my feeling. Yeah, I think you look, I mean, yeah, that, that can vary between, you know, political audiences sometimes, as you say, you know, if, if on any side, if there's a particular view of the world, then people increasingly, you know, whether it's through social media or other channels, will find ways to express those views and will find ways to sort of try and gather people around that particular uh, you know, way of of doing things and their particular approach, and I think during that whole COVID time, uh, you know, really brought it into to to focus. I think Joe, and it's 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 you know, and again, I don't think we've we've sort of necessarily come out the other side of that. Um, that ability to just you know draw in views and express them and find similar tribes uh, around you that also you know will will push hard on them as well. Yeah. So let's get to the heart and soul of what you do for a living. I mean, on paper, there's a lot of things that go into what you do, but let's put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. And one of the curious little kids looks up at you and says, hey, what do you do for a living? <laughs> How do you answer that question? Well, look, I mean, uh, I say that I help organizations engage in uh, government and uh you know government policy making that's that's at the heart of what i do now there's lots of other things lots of things about reputation and stakeholder engagement and helping people to engage with the right people at the right time but fundamentally it's helping organizations engage with government now um uh some people will call that lobbying uh i don't tend to use that particular L word, not because I'm ashamed to be a lobbyist, and I, I have no problem being described as that, but partly because lobbying has uh, got a bit of a tarnished reputation. People often think it's just focused on money, and that's not what I do, and that's not, you know, and, and, and you know, that's not how it operates. Um, obviously, there are differences between how we do it here in the UK and, and you know, and, and uh, you know, engagement in the US, yeah. different political systems, different ways of, um, you know, different you know different ways of making laws <laughs> fundamentally and different roles for for lawmakers uh but also the whole political funding systems etc cetera, etc cetera, are very different you know with yourselves as, as opposed to the uh to the uk uh but also to get that sort of influence to get that engagement that i'm trying to do i'll work through the media i'll work through stakeholders i'll deal with social media you know i'll use all the channels and levers of communication if you like to try and secure that effective engagement with government so that's why i think public affairs is is you know i use that as a broader term whereas lobbying tends to be very focused on the politics and politics is part of what i do but it's not only what i do i mean we deal a lot with civil servants so the officials that you know um uh, you know the impartial bit of government here um again you know different from the states where a lot of those guys are appointed here it's it's the, you know the uh, independent impartial uh you know separate job and and they can't very often not exclusively but can't very often be replaced uh you know quickly or easily so it's not like the appointment process in the states um so that that that's how i describe what i do engagement with, engagement with government yeah so let me ask you this when you were in the third grade what did you want to be when you grew up uh i'm i'm a, I, I could be a real uh i'm not sure if it's a geek or a nerd but one of those two um i have always loved politics and current affairs okay so there was a program on the uh on the bbc 
when I was growing up called uh, John Craven's News Round. Yeah. And it was a news program that was specifically aimed at, you know, children, young people, but children. And um, that was my favourite program. <laughs> that was nice. the one that I always watched. Uh, I just loved knowing what was going on. So I've always been fascinated by sort of politics. And, you know, we talked about it at home. So, you know, I yeah, partly blame my you know, parents and, and brother for that. Uh, so we'd always talk about it at home. We were always, you know, we weren't necessarily, and they weren't politically active. They weren't members of a political party or anything on those lines, but always very aware of, of political issues. And, you know, if we sat down as a family, we'd chat about politics and what was going on and what we thought about X, Y, or Z that was happening in the UK or, or worldwide. So, um, and I always remember, walking around when I was so sixth form so what I was like 17 18 something along those sort of lines uh I had I had two badges um if I get my timings right here one was a free Nelson Mandela badge from you know to show some uh my friends would always point out to the fact that there was probably wasn't a you know a prime minister of South Africa that walked past to be inspired by my lapel badge uh <laughs> to free but you know that, that wasn't that wasn't really the case and the other one was, uh, and uh, this isn't, uh, <laughs> I, I, I say this before I say, I, I warning before I say this out loud, this is not because of my political outlook in life, uh, but I went to the, um, my uh, history teacher. So but this was when I was about 15. We did a, uh, a sort of organized school trip to the Soviet Union. Um, and this was a thing that, you know, apparently happened across Britain and I'm sure in other places as well, you did sort of a week in the Soviet Union. And of course, in those days, it was very much a properly guided tour. I, you know, you'd only be able to allow to see the things that, you know, the leadership at that time, uh, wanted you to see. Maybe things haven't changed that much nowadays. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, to see the things you wanted to see and in, uh, so I bought back a, a, a badge of Lenin. Not because I'm a big fan of Lenin, Lenin, but Lenin, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I used to wear that badge as well. So that's not a, but I, um, again, yeah, th that's not me and it's not my politics, but I just like the badge really. You know, what's interesting, I hearing this fascination with covering politics and getting into it. I remember personally, my big thing was I covered the local baseball team, the Royals. When I was in college, my internship was to go to the stadium and I did production work for a radio station and my dream was to walk out of the same door that the players walked out of okay it's a big deal i mean i still wanted i mean it, it was just a big thing what was that for you what was what was something that you wanted to do job wise in the political realm that you just dreamed about doing getting to that point where this is where you're at i think it was being in and around parliament i mean yeah. i suppose i didn't really have an idea about what that job might be whether it was working for a member of parliament or you know as an elected person or something i you know that wasn't really a biggie to me but um but just being in parliament and frankly joe i still get that buzz whenever i go into parliament and i go into central lobby which is one of the main areas and you see the the um, the statues when you look up and can see the you know the the paintings and, and the displays up there I still get a huge buzz from that. I still think that's fantastic. I, and I can't quite believe that I'm fortunate enough to do the job that I do, working with the companies and the organisations that I do, helping them to engage with people in that place. Yeah. Uh, I, I still get that. Um, you know, at 15, I probably would have wanted to be a rock guitarist as well and walk out on, you know, Wembley, walk out of Wembley Stadium as well. But uh, yeah. 
I, I knew one was probably slightly more likely than the other. Um, and that in, in that way was proven correct. So in, in your job, you know, you've been around a lot of high powered people, a lot of people that most people won't meet. Who did you all, who have you always looked forward to, to talking to? Who was somebody that's just, just a really good person that you've always enjoyed running into, always enjoyed talking to? Who is that for you? I don't know if there's one person in particular i mean i i just i i like um i like hearing what politicians have got to say for themselves like away from the camera so when they're you know whether they're sitting in a committee meeting asking questions or whether we have something called the party conferences here once a year the political parties each meet for about a week in a you know it used to be a seaside town but now it's more like a city center sort of town manchester and liverpool places like that uh birmingham and they have uh, you know meetings where the members will turn up and you know and they're just just more open and that's the bit that i've always enjoyed is is, is not seeing the sort of the public front slick message can't deviate sort of politician but seeing those that are happy to have a life and a personality um and some just some real conversation yeah and it can be politicians from any of the political parties um but if i'm being brutally honest look i mean i'm not i can't claim to have had conversations with him or anything along those sort of lines uh but i always thought tony blair was a you know fantastic um you know politician and prime minister and i've met him in passing a couple of times and shook his hand etc etc you know i still think he's you know fantastic and, and actually there was one um party conference where he turned up with um uh bill clinton so bill clinton came along and uh, and kevin spacey oh wow. so uh which, which was quite a weird juxtaposition yeah. <laughs> um and they turned up to this particular um I was going to say it was sort of an event, a drinks event thing, uh, quite well attended that that I was at. And Blair came on the stage and you know did his thing for you know thanks for you know, coming. I was a bit Prince Charles, not King Charles. Anyway, um, uh, and then Kevin Spacey spoke, and but Kevin Spacey weirdly, and I'm glad we can talk about Kevin Spacey again. That's fine. Um, uh, Kevin Spacey weirdly then did a Bill Clinton impression and spoke as Bill Clinton, and then Bill Clinton spoke. Um, and I did manage on their way out to to shake Clinton's hand, and uh, you know, again, not everybody's cup of tea. But in terms of a way that a politician held the room, I've never heard a politician. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Blair, and, and you know what he achieved in his time, uh, you know, in office and, and those early Labour years. But Clinton, the way he held that room, the way that people just engaged with him was completely different. I've never seen that in a politician before or since. I'm so glad you said that. I saw him speak in Kansas City at the Truman Library, the presidential uh, library. I will never forget, and I love Bill, and it was a big deal. I, I was looking forward to this. Yeah. When he came through those doors, because they like, it was almost like a chamber thing where, you know, the, they open the doors and it's a big introduction. When he came in the room, the entire particle of every particle in that room changed it was instant rock star and 
I still to this day remember what he was talking about. He was talking about solar panels in New York City. He was going on this thing about, you know, how we could save money and how we can maximize and do things in a different way. That's a big investment up front, but it will pay off. And he had this elaborate story and he did this whole full circle thing in a way the oratory was genius. And you got to the end of it and you were ready to go buy solar panels for your own house, even if they wouldn't fit, even if they weren't logical. You, you were going commit. to do what this guy said. He was the master salesman. But he had this knack at the end of the day in his bones of I really genuinely believe that there is something in him that makes things make sense. Not just because he's a politician, but I think he does it because that's the way he works. And I think that's why he effectively governed the way he did. Yeah, I no, I, I think you're right, Joe. And I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think he you know this was a this was a uk audience this guy you know everybody knew he was obviously he's an american president you know that in itself is hugely impressive but just that engagement talking yeah. to you as an, as an individual despite the fact he was talking to you know i don't know 300 people or however many people were in that room at the time and i think everybody felt the same way as yeah. i did as well and i say i've never had that before and look i mean I, it might be that um Biden and Obama and and uh, you know uh, you know Trump and, and others may be able to do that as well. I don't know. I haven't seen them, but yeah, for me that's just very brief. He was only on there for a few minutes. Yeah, sure. Astounding, astounding, crazy, crazy. So, who's been a hero for you in your life? Um, oh crikey! I mean, again, I I I, I try to think that there's a, a whole number of people, and it, and it can vary. It for me, it's varied at, at different stages you know it's going to sound a little bit cheesy to say you know parents and you know wife and you know children but that wouldn't be untrue sure. um again you know various stages and, and help and support so this last year i've been sort of you know running a you know business uh myself i've always worked for organizations before but i'm you know doing it for myself this sort of last year um and if my wife hadn't been able to support you know me uh you know emotionally a little bit financially as well but you know that's these things come and go don't they when you're running your own business but you know just just that support and and you know helping me secure a positive outlook in doing that you know would would have made my life hugely different um but then equally you know there's people that i've worked with that have built successful businesses that you look to and you think oh yeah i could you know that that's that's somebody that i can aspire to be equally there are um you know, people externally um, that, you know, I chat to and I do some mentoring and I find them hugely inspiring as well. I mean, obviously they're talking to me for a bit of, you know, gray hair and experience and all that sort of stuff, which, which is nice in and of itself, you know, a nice bit for the ego as well. But actually, you know, some of those guys that have gone on to build their own careers, um, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So if I've played some small part and small role in that, I'm, you know, I'm very happy to have, to have done so as well. So, you know, um, so who would be a dream person that's alive on the planet right now that you would love to run into and talk to pick their brain a little bit? Uh, good question. Uh, I would like to meet president Obama. I mean, I think, you know, I, I just, again, I mean, I haven't seen him, but just to achieve what he did in that period of time and to still be so, articulate and engaged yep. in the way that see you know i just go on youtube clip but i don't you know i know some people that have worked for you know the democrats in the past and were on his campaign um you know previously and and you know they always talk 
fantastically glowingly about him and his outlook on life and him as a person you know so him so uh, you know that uh, sort of alive um you know and uh, i suppose i suppose the flip side is the sort of dead ones as well and they're quite on this planet i know yeah. quite not very yeah. quite what you mean joe uh but you know i'm i love the beatles so, yeah you know john lennon George Harrison and then yeah. the Alliance ones as well. You yeah, know, if it was possible to have them around the table and, and just chat in a way that when you watch the you know the Get Back uh, yeah. film a couple of years ago or just the recent release and they you know Pete Jackson you know pulled that video together and with the with the song with his voice with Lennon's voice on it, um, you just think I mean yeah fantastic. I mean they'd already broke. I mean look I'm not young. They'd already broken up by the time that I was born, and um, so to have. So some part of that or some engagement with that would yeah that would be fantastic obviously not possible but fantastic yeah it would be awesome let me ask you this if you had a dream tonight you ran into the 20 year old version of you and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point what advice would you dispense on that younger version oh you ask some tough questions joe don't you (laughs) i wow um what would i say to myself i would say I would say that I'd done some things, you know, well, um, and to keep doing more of them. I think certainly early on, I would have probably watched less TV. This is going to sound a bit facile, but I'd probably watched less TV and done a bit more in the outside world. I mean, certainly when I was at university, although I had a fantastic time, great group of friends. Um, We're still on the old, uh, you know, WhatsApp, um, you know, regularly to just, you know, talk rubbish and, you know, see how everybody's getting on. Of course. (laughs) on the other hand, I should probably have done a bit more outside of that bubble of uh, friends. Um, you know, got a bit more experience. Uh, I think that would have that would have helped um, in my career a bit more. Um, I think I would also, yeah, maybe I've done a bit less drinking as well. <laughs> Although I don't tell the kids that, you know, right. one's, one's just started university and one's got a couple of years ago. Let's let's uh, skip over that. But, you know, let's let's put that to one side. Yeah. Uh, a little bit less of, uh, of that. Because obviously we can drink a lot earlier here than you can, uh, you know, over in the States as well. Uh, which maybe is good or bad thing. I don't know. Sure. Um, I definitely look at, you know, those couple of things, but definitely getting more experience in the outside world. Yeah. I think that would really have helped. And then I think, um, you know, I, you know, I've worked for, you know, one organization for a very long time, uh, you know, in my previous job, you know, I'm not, you know, I stayed there for fantastic reasons, great people, um, you know, uh, you know, lovely clients that I got to work with, um, you know, the money was all, all that sort of stuff. But I think, you know, one, you know, to be in one organization for a very, very long period of time is maybe not ideal. So maybe I'd have been a little bit more, you know, looking after myself a bit more, maybe if I'm being, you know, slightly selfish, uh, uh, you know, and moving around a little bit more to sort of, you know, you know, just get different types of experiences um, if I was being hypercritical. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll sort of those, I think. So this is going to be the last of the real tough questions. Everyone out there, Stuart, has Thank a perception. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to take it easy. <laughs> Give me some easy ones. Come on, yes. Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> softball it in. So, Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, you know, all of the clients, everyone that you work with, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Uh, what do I think I am? I think I, uh, you know, hardworking, put effort in, 
it, probably everything I do, um, whether that's a sort of, you know, just the public affairs communications work that I do. Um, but equally, I write and, uh, you know, that takes up time as well. Um, and hopefully I show commitment to the family as well. So I'm I'm hoping that I'm a, a, a good mix of, you know, family and work um you know rather than being a, a workaholic um but i do realize that sometimes i do tend to focus on those things you know quite a lot as well for 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 good or bad um and i think the you know hopefully i'm hopefully I, hopefully people see me as a rounded sort of person as well i mean it's going to sound a bit you know again a bit facetious doesn't it really but you know I, you know i enjoy the music and I, obviously that's something that's you know hugely important to you joe um but equal like my politics i like reading you know nordic noir you know crime novel type things with lots of horrible you know fictional thank goodness uh you know grisly murders in some you know barely sparse sparsely populated part of uh you know scandinavia i love all that sort of stuff so hopefully i see myself as a sort of suitably rounded um person that's 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 ideally how i'd like to be rather than some slightly mad political workaholic yeah, absolutely. So if anyone out there wants to reach out to you, learn more about you, get involved with your world, where's the best place to go? Yeah, website, um, Stuart Thompson. So S-T-U-A-R-T-T-H, uh, sorry, S-T-U-A-R-T. I can't even spell my own name. See, you've, got, <laughs> you've put so much pressure on me. I have messed with the synapses. I've got my own name. Uh, so Stuart Thompson, S-T-U-A-R-T-T-H-O-M-S-O-N.co.uk, C-W-E Communications, you know, Google it. I'm on the X slash Twitter, LinkedIn, um, all these various places. I'm I'm eminently Googleable books on Amazon. You name it, I'm I'm around somewhere. You're out there. Podcast. I know we love, obviously we love podcasts. So yes, absolutely. Well, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna let your brain breathe and and relax after this. Thank you for your time today. It's a fascinating story, man. I appreciate you being open and 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 dispensing your 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 wisdom it's been great Joe, look, no no thanks for inviting me it's a pleasure and uh yeah you've got a huge fantastic back uh, back catalogue of, of interviews just on this part i know you do lots of others as well you know you do others as well so uh, no thanks for your time it's hugely appreciated thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with joe domino where we cover the world of art literature business spirituality music and more from around the globe our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great ee e. pointer of kansas city's river cow orchestra if if you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Hey.